the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You know, we've got to be careful when someone says, Oh, boy, she can pray now. Somehow we feel that if I could say the right words and make sure the Elizabethan English is in my prayer, then I'm on track for God to hear me. Welcome to Gaining Ground with Dr. Evan Burroughs, Senior Pastor of the Dynamic First Baptist Church of College Hill in Tampa, Florida. Find directions and service times at fbcch.org. Stay with us as Dr. Burroughs shares God's Word with clarity and conviction. And now with today's message, here's Dr. Evan Burroughs. You're saved. Now what? We've been looking at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We've established that his coming was for a purpose. He came for a reason. The Holy Spirit didn't come come just to flaunt himself. But the Bible says that that you shall receive what? Power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. For the purpose of being witnesses. Now I believe that this is not the only empowering that the spirit does in our life. But it is what his purpose was in coming in Acts chapter 1. When we arrive at Acts chapter 2 we find that, that God has now given the apostles the ability to speak in other languages in order that men and women who had gathered in Jerusalem by the thousands would come to faith in Jesus Christ. I didn't make it out to Gasparilla. I think I've only been to one Gasparilla in 25 years. But that would have been a good place to have Peter speak. They came to Jerusalem in throngs. They came in thousands. And Peter stood up on that day after they had been accused of being drunk. And Peter stands up and says to them, it is not so. They are not drunk. He said, it's not even 9 a.m. in the morning. But this which you are now witnessing is that which was spoken of by Joel the prophet. Who said that in the last days these things would happen. And after referencing David and the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, the people asked Peter, we've heard you, Peter. Now, what shall we do about it? Peter goes on and tells them that you need to repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then the Bible says in verse 41, chapter 2, verse 41 of Acts, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the church that day. The question comes then, what next? 
As the apostles surveyed the thousands of baby believers who had joined the church on the day of Pentecost, they must have asked the question, now what do we do? Can you imagine that? Someone like us, you know, it's like the dog that chased the car. What happens when he catches it? What do we do? You've had this revival and this, he'd never seen anything like this. 3,000 people responded to the gospel. What do we do now? There was no blueprint. There was no map. No one had told them what to do. But these newborn Christians would require wise parenting in order to learn how to walk with Christ, how to handle temptation, how to worship, how to pray. The apostles had no handbook to follow, no Bible, no guidelines, no instruction manual. How would the infant church survive? How would this church grow? When the excitement of spiritual birth gave way to the reality of day-to-day life, the leaders did do something. Just put a pin here for just a second. It happens every Sunday, every weekend. Well, maybe not every, but most weekends in a church. Someone responds to the gospel. Someone comes forward. And more often than not, there's no long-lasting devotion to Christ. And we scratch our heads and we say, what happened? Was it something that we didn't do? Is it something that we did do to offend? Is it, why is stickability a problem? And there's more, there are more books on pastors' bookshelves about how to close the back door than you can shake a stick at. Everyone wants to know, how do we close the back door? How do we keep people once they say yes? How do you not allow them to drift away? How do they not end up no longer in the fellowship of the saints? But back to Acts, these apostles roll up their sleeves and begin caring for these spiritual babies. And as a result, the church thrived. And so the question we ask ourselves is, how did the apostles parent these new Christians? We have ways here at First Baptist that we've attempted to do, and we, we set up uh, uh, ICU, intentional care unit. We set up life groups. We set up Sunday school. We set up men's ministry and women's ministry and youth ministry and you name it, and we, we have it. All an attempt to develop disciples. How do they do it? Let's find out. Acts 4.42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Let's go back and look look up there again at what he says. Let's go back to to the text there. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Verse 42, they devoted themselves. Now, the first thing that we need to notice about that word, devoted, devoted means to be fully given over to. 
when you devote yourself to something, that means that you have given yourself focused attention on that thing. You don't make it to the NBA and become good at it unless you have devoted a good portion of your life to the sport. Steph Curry didn't, the great shooter, because he woke up one day and could just hit a basketball. What did he do? He worked at it, and 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 he worked at it. And he worked at it. See, some people don't know. The average, basket, uh, the average basketball player, the good sharp shooters, they shoot more shots in a day than the average person will shoot in two lifetimes. But why? Because they're devoted. They get up early. They work hard. The apostles devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. These baby Christians devoted themselves. And while I believe that the church has a responsibility to provide avenues in which believers can find growth, here is what needs to happen. The believer themselves need to devote themselves to teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Because the pastor won't stand before God For you, when you stand before him, he's going to say, you were a part of First Baptist, and boy, you sure didn't grow much. Yeah, well, you see, I I didn't like the way the teachers on Tuesday night used to teach, so I didn't, whoa, well, 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 was it providing? So let's look at these four disciplines. There are four of them today. Number one, the first thing he says that they did in order that these baby Christians could become mature was that there was teaching. There was teaching or doctrine. There was teaching. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. I love that word crave. Crave pure spiritual milk. All of us have had cravings from time to time. We wanted something. The flavor of something was in the back of our mouths and we just had to have it. You're driving down the road and all of a sudden, oh, you just wanted you some uh, uh, Uncle John's. I mean, it was all in there. You could just, oh yeah, you got to go get you some. You were craving it. and, And you didn't stop until you went over there and you got you some. We've all had cravings. Whatever that was, we we wanted it. He says, like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk. And so let's look at the analogy. Newborn babies, from the moment they come out the womb, they start hollering for food. And you're not going to rest until that baby's needs are met. Isn't it amazing that little thing? Can cook and demand, command, set your schedule. It's amazing. The little can't even talk, but they control the house. Once they show up, they are in charge. (laughs) 
They're craving milk. They're craving sustenance. They're craving nourishment. And they're going to holler and they're going to scream and they're going to cry out until that need is met. Peter says to these Christians, he says, just like a newborn baby, you as a new Christian are to crave the milk of the word. You ought to be after it. No one ought to be ought to have to chase you down to give it to you. We never chased any of our kids down when they were babies to feed them. They knew when they wanted it, and they knew how to get it. They may not have been able to go and get it for themselves, but you were going to have no peace and no rest until that baby got what they needed. And he says this, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. See, there's purpose. The purpose of the milk of the word is in order that you would grow. A baby cries for food in order that that baby grows. And we know that over time, that infant begins to grow into a toddler, into a, in, in a, a, a young child, and then teen, and begin until they're an adult. Why? Because they craved what was necessary to grow. So the first element here is that the apostles taught. They taught, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. God had appointed these apostles in the church to be the leaders of this new fledgling uh, community called the church, and they were the ones that were given the responsibility to deliver the teaching to these new Christians. And it's amazing that, that they could teach them because here's the deal. They were only one grade ahead. They had not been in this thing long. Jesus had just died. He had just gone back to heaven. Yes, they had walked with him and they had gone with him. But here it was now. He says, now you need to teach these people. They began to teach them. The commitment to the apostles' teaching was foundational to the growth and spiritual health of the church. Someone has got to lay down the foundation. In Paul's letter, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he reflects the priority of the preaching and teaching in the church. We can do a whole lot of things in the church, but the preaching and teaching still is primary. Paul says this, he says, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales, but rather train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Verse 9, this is the trustworthy saying that deserves your full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people and especially of those who believe. Listen to verse 11 to 13. Command and teach these things. Do not let anyone look down on you because you are young. We know that scripture, we quote it all the time, but that's the context to that verse. 
Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Because I'm sending you out there to teach and to command that they follow the Lord. And don't let anyone look down on you because of your, of your youth. But be an example of believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. And then he wraps it up in verse 13. He says, until I come. There's that word again. Devote yourselves to the public reading of scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. And so he says to Timothy, he says, Timothy, I'm giving you this awesome responsibility, and and you carry it on. I'm coming to visit you, but until I get there, you need to preach, and you need to teach, and you need to command. We live in a time where no one wants to listen. We live in an individualistic society where authority is no longer adhered to. We're authority unto ourselves. And so what if the pastor says, I don't care. Do what I want to do. Somehow, Paul says to Timothy, when you go into the church, there's some things that you need to say to them that they may not like. But don't allow them to look down on you because you're young. But you preach, you teach, regardless. Paul writes again in Titus 1, 9, he says, he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine. And then he says, what? And refute those who oppose it. You know, sometimes you just got to tell folk they're wrong. Sometimes their theology is all whack. Sometimes what they're saying about God is not true. And you've got to be able to know what is true so that you can stand against it and say, no, that's not what God's word says. Sometimes you've got to oppose it. But the apostles taught, but also the people caught. They can distinguish good from evil. That's what it says in Hebrews 5, 14. Why do we teach? Be strong. Sorry. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of what? Full age. Go back to the baby analogy. The baby cries for milk. The baby doesn't cry for steak. And and every mature Christian can eat spiritual steak. Because over time, you've learned what you've needed to learn. Now you're able to exercise spiritual maturity and biblical discipline. Don't you find it odd sometimes that those who have been around the longest are the most cantankerous, the most unreasonable, the most haughty, the most prideful. But somehow, when we grow in our faith, it ought to allow us to eat to be what? More humble. We understand that we're not the be-all and the end-all. He says, because even those who by reason of use have their senses exercise to know good and evil. But there's a second thing here. They're qualified to teach others. When you have been in the faith and you've been learning, at some point you need to begin to learn to teach others. One of the great deficits in the modern church is that we don't know enough to teach anybody anything.
we can barely find Sunday school teachers. And there's two reasons, or maybe even more. One of them is maybe you really don't know what to teach, but the second is you just don't give. God gives gifts to the body of Christ. Some gifts are multiplied in one individual, but others can also exercise their gift. And sometimes we don't even step out and say, God, what's my gift? What have you gifted me to do? What is it that you want me to do? And how can I do that effectively in the body of Christ? Listen to what he says in 2 Timothy 2, 2. And the things thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You say, well, pastor, I, I don't like being up front and no, that's not what it said, does it? See, that teaching doesn't have to be a, a standing up at a podium and teaching. That, that, that teaching can be that, that a one-on-one situation. That teaching can be a two- or three situation. That teaching can be a, a modeling before people what God says and giving a word. So I do believe we all need to learn at least how to share the gospel, at least how to give a word of testimony for the Lord. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Do you know enough to give a word? They're not saved. Sorry, sorry. And the third thing is they're not swayed by every type of teaching. And we know this, he says in Ephesians 4, 13 to 15. And we'll, we won't read it, but in, in that text, he says that we ought not be tossed about by every wind of doctrine, but we need to stand firm and be able to teach God's word. Three things under teaching. Number one, make it a priority. The teaching and the learning. Create multiple learning streams in your life so that there's ways that you can get God's word into your heart. I mean, there's so much out there right now. Every Joe Schmo has a podcast. Everybody's got a cell phone. We, we, we spent good money on right now media for our church family to have access to good, sound, biblical teaching. There's YouTube. There's Whatever else on the end, I mean, it's all, you can find teaching. Now, now, we have to be careful what we listen to because you can't be eating at everybody's table. Y'all know what I'm saying? We had a, a member of our church, she shall remain nameless. She gave me one day, she said, Pastor, uh, I, I ain't coming to Old Fashioned Day. I, I said, what you mean you ain't coming? She said, I ain't coming. That's when we used to have the meal after service. And she said, I ain't coming. I said, well, I said, well you ain't no coming. She said, well, let, let me tell you. I don't, I don't eat from everybody's table. <laughs> so I won't, I won't be coming. I, I, I don't eat from everybody's table. Now, here's the deal. You can't eat at every table because some food just ain't good for you. Thou preparest the table before me, but we've got to be careful who's preparing the table. There's some really kooky stuff out there. But there's a second principle. And he says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and also to fellowship. To fellowship. The Greek word for fellowship is the word 
koinonia. It is often rendered communion. Now here's something that I want us to, to clarify today. The communion here is not what we do for the Lord's Supper. When he says fellowship in Acts, that word koinonia, which also means communion, doesn't mean the Eucharist. It doesn't mean the Lord's Supper. What it means is things in common. Communion. Things in common. I, I, I say it's common union. Thank you for listening to Gaining Ground with Dr. Evan Burroughs. God is using Gaining Ground to reach thousands for Christ and to strengthen the walk of believers just like you. Your prayers and financial support keep the ministry strong. Contact us today at 813-248-6600. That's 813-248-6600. Or click the Donate button at fbcch.org slash gaining ground. That's fbcch.org slash gaining ground. Join us next time for another edition of Gaining Ground with Dr. Evan Burroughs. Until then, may God bless you, keep you, and may you continue gaining ground in your walk with Him. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.